Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football is back. We've got Bills and Rams, Bucks and Cowboys, Chiefs and Cardinals, all of the NFL action coming up for week one. Use our promo code BLEAVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a beautiful, beautiful September 9th, according to my count. It's 9-9. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Whether it's a good morning, a good evening, good afternoon, or a good night, we thank you for stopping in. Speaking of good night, we are going to say good night to the Los Angeles Rams today on the show because we are going to recap the first game of the NFL season between the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams because I have three really interesting takeaways from this game, and they're not going to be short-sighted, one-game sample size type of analyses. They are three larger points. It's a, I guess we're calling this a post-game show. Call it three different points, segments, whatever you want to call it, A block, B block, C block, we are going to do a classic take it easy post game show because you guys like it when we do post game shows. Some of our most popular shows over the past few months were those Warriors and Celtics post game shows. So uh, you guys really enjoyed the Notre Dame talk from Wired Up 122 this week. So we'll do some post game content here on the show. And if you're new to the show, thanks for stopping in, subscribe, download and uh, review wherever it is that you get podcasts. So let's talk about what is billed as one of the best games of the NFL season. Obviously, the NFL sets up their schedule well where the best teams in the preseason play each other early in the year because there's no guarantee about who's going to be good or who's going to be bad once we get to November and December. So they try and set up all the best games early in the year. One, when everyone's healthy, and two, when they know who the best teams from last year are going to be. And they took the Buffalo Bills, team who coulda, shoulda, woulda been in the Super Bowl, if not for the game of the year between them and Kansas City, happening to end with Kansas City possessing the ball in regulation and end with Kansas City winning the coin toss and getting to defeat the Buffalo Bills without them touching the ball after Gabe Davis had a miraculous go-ahead touchdown with 13 seconds left to play in what will be maybe the greatest football game I've ever watched in my life, given the stakes and storylines and all that 
that is built around Buffalo and Kansas City as a rivalry. So you got Buffalo, you got the Rams, Buffalo beat the shit out of the Rams, and we are going to analyze the post-game of both sides. But before we do that, let us play our Los Angeles Rams theme song, because whenever we're getting in the mood to talk about the Rams and talk about the NFL football, we always need to get into the mindset of we need to ram it just right so that we can ram it all day and ram it all night. feeling in the mood to ram it all day and ram it all night and that is uh the mood that we're feeling by the way i hope i sound like a gringo when i say that that is that is part of the joke there but um i'm going to talk about buffalo first it's not the story that i'm most interested in that the takeaway i'm most interested in we'll talk about second and it involves the los angeles rams buffalo won the game buffalo kicked ass so it feels right to talk about buffalo first get that out of the way and then dive into the story that I find most interesting. So we'll talk about the game itself and Buffalo and all that first here, and then we'll go into talking about the big takeaway that I found from this game. And uh, just to note on the front end, any stats that I call out for this game are going to be cut off for the Rams after the Stafford interception down 24-10, to and for Buffalo, stats are going to be capped after the um, the Stefan Diggs long touchdown that made it like 31 to 10. So Stefan Diggs is going to be the leading receiver for the Buffalo Bills. It was Gabriel Davis for most of the game. And then the Stefan Diggs touchdown put it over the top. And for stats that you're going to hear mentioned, that's when the game kind of went into garbage time was right after the Stafford INT. And at the same time, the, bu- the long Buffalo touchdown is still useful for doing analysis. But basically around like eight minutes in the fourth quarter, that's when I'm cutting off stats that are going to be mentioned in this post-game show. So number one, Buffalo Bills. If you listen to the game preview we did on Thursday for like 10 minutes, and if you've heard me talk about the Buffalo Bills ever since the January football game where they lost to the Chiefs, you've heard me talk about how the Buffalo Bills are now in this space where their offense is unquestioned, They have talent up and down the team, and they've had two consecutive playoff losses to the Kansas City Chiefs. And we can go back also to 2019 when they had that surprise playoff run 
They were the five seed. They won 11 games. Josh Allen was terrible that year, but they still made the playoffs based on like one of the top five defenses in the league that has never gotten back to being that good. That season included, this is now year four of the Buffalo Bills being a perennial playoff team and year three of we know Josh Allen is the shit. 2020, he finished second in the MVP. Last year, he regressed, but it was impossible for Josh Allen to play as well in 2021 as he did in 2020. It was destined for a regression because 2020 Josh Allen, the improvement year to year, is one of the greatest transformations in the history of the NFL, or at least in the last 40 years of any quarterback year to year statistically. So we know Buffalo is the shit. And Buffalo has lost in the playoffs three years in a row in relatively heartbreaking fashion. And so they have now entered this territory where we know their offense is amazing. We know their team is talented. We know they have three really good receivers and an elite quarterback. Thus, the entire purpose of... And we know they're going to win the AFC East walking away. Like, walking backwards, they're going to win the AFC East. Buffalo, I've been saying it for like seven months, Buffalo is now one of those teams in that rare territory where the entire purpose of the regular season is to get everyone healthy for those playoff games, those three, four playoff games that they're going to play in January. The entire purpose of the regular season is to get to the playoffs. I could take it a step further and say the regular season is meaningless for Buffalo, and at the same time, that doesn't apply nuance and context to the situation. The entire purpose of Buffalo's regular season is to get healthy and ready and prepared for the those playoff games. They're not fighting for a playoff spot. They don't have to think about their opponents week to week. They are going to win 12 games. They are going to win their division. They're going to walk backwards into the playoffs. And they would prefer to keep even like Jamison Crowder or keep Gabriel Davis healthy or keep Tredavious White, which is a classic example because Tredavious White didn't play in the first game of the season. They would rather keep them healthy than chase regular season wins or chase seeding because it's more valuable to them. Granted, they don't have to fight for a playoff spot. They don't have to fight for a division title. They're going to be one, two, three seed in some order. They don't have to fight for positioning. The entire purpose of the regular season is for them to get healthy. And Buffalo, after the first game of the season where they crushed the LA Rams, we learn nothing new about the Buffalo offense. Nothing new. And obviously it's a small sample size, so there was never a chance that we were going to learn tons about them in the first place. We learned very little about the Buffalo offense. We did learn that their running game is still god-awful. Um, the one thing you could point to for Buffalo, because again, Josh Allen was 26 for 31, 240. 50 yards, three touchdowns, passer rating of 112, and remember there was one interception that went right through the hands of Isaiah McKenzie, so that one wasn't even his fault, but it's going to negatively impact passer rating. Like, Buffalo kicked ass. And the only reason the game was as close as it was, Buffalo had four turnovers in the first half. They had the fumble by James Cook, they had the interception that went through McKenzie's hands. They had the one interception that was on Josh Allen. And they had, if you remember, that kickoff that went out of bounds, a shanked kickoff that set the Rams up at the 40-yard line. And the Rams went right down and scored a touchdown immediately after that. And that was the, the only touchdown of the game for the Los Angeles Rams. The only touchdown of the game for the Rams was off of that shanked 
uh, kick out of bounds. And so it won't go down as a turnover in the books. It's more costly to the Buffalo Bills than, say, a turnover on downs would be. Regardless of field positioning, a turnover on downs is about as costly as what that kickoff did for the Buffalo Bills in that game. So essentially four turnovers in the first half for the Buffalo Bills. And people could walk out of this game and point to that and say, oh, the Buffalo Bills have to worry about turnovers. If I had a dollar for every time we talked about Josh Allen and turnovers and the concerns about his game, I would be a millionaire. It fueled sports talk radio for two whole off-seasons. The off-season after Josh Allen's rookie year and the off-season after 20... I'm sorry, the off-season after the first playoff run in his second year and the entire off-season after 2020 when he finished second in the MVP. Two whole off-seasons of content were structured around Josh Allen's turnover problem. Does it impact the Buffalo Bills' offense? It's fine. We learned nothing new about the Bills. This has existed for years. Yes, the Bills had four turnovers in a in a regular season opener in which they won by 21 points. Yes, they would have been up 21 points at halftime if not for those four turnovers. That's Buffalo. They might commit turnovers in the playoffs. That's part of the name that's the name of the game. Josh Allen is not the most accurate dude in the world. He's not Aaron Rodgers where his game is predicated on short passes, but you watched the game yesterday and he was releasing the ball in 2.5 seconds the same way that you see Aaron Rodgers run the offense. And it was six yard pass, six yard pass, take the underneath pass. Josh Allen in the first half of that game was 17 of 20 with the touchdown and the two interceptions. And then got to the third quarter. And what did Josh Allen do in the third quarter? He was eight for nine, a hundred yards and one touchdown. That's just take underneath, take underneath, take underneath. And it was like six yards, six yards, seven yards, seven yards, 11 yards, yards after catch. And then the big play to Gabe Davis and the big play to Stephon Diggs. And boom, that's how we're going to move the ball up the field is our running game is shit. So Josh Allen's going to use screen passes and yards after catch and short field in order to move the ball up the field, which by the way is how Buffalo has been running their offense for the last four years. So same point, we didn't learn anything new about the Buffalo Bills offense coming out of this game. It's still ridiculously overwhelming. They're still going to use the passing game as their running game. Josh Allen is their RB1 because their entire running back room is shit, which by the way, James Cook, oh, I'm so, I'm so disappointed. James Cook, I picked you in fantasy. I need to stop doing this with Bills offensive players. Gotta just stop picking Bills running backs. I do have Gabriel Davis on my fantasy team this year, but gotta just stop picking the Bills running backs. I picked Singletary and Moss in 2020. Both of them were terrible. I cannot comprehend how the Buffalo Bills for four years have been such a fun, exciting offense, and their running backs are always the worst in the league of any playoff team. Like, only tanking teams have a worse running back room than the Buffalo Bills. And it's been that way for four goddamn years. And I just can't comprehend how that's possible. Like, they have to have Josh Allen out of necessity be their RB1. And Josh Allen led the team in rushing yards against the Rams, led the team in carries and rushing yards against the Chiefs, and led the team in rushing yards against the Patriots in that playoff game where they literally did not get stopped one time moving the ball up and down the field. It's just their running back room is so terrible. Uh, I was actually listening to the radio broadcast on, on with like Kurt Warner and uh, Kevin Harlan, 
And they talked about how Jamison Crowder adds a new dimension to the Buffalo Bills offense. And I laughed at that because I'm like, no, he's just literally Cole Beasley. They just got cheap Cole Beasley, copy-pasted him into the offense, and boom, they just went with it. Like, Jamison Crowder is literally just Cole Beasley. The only difference is that Gabriel Davis is the best number two receiver they've ever had, going from the experiment they tried with Emmanuel Sanders last year it's it's the best number two option that they've had, and that's going to make the Bills' offense totally overwhelming the entire season. And like I said, the entire purpose of the Bills in the regular season is to get healthy for the playoffs. They will not play a meaningful regular season game the rest of the season in terms of the result, not even the game against Kansas City. Because remember, they beat the shit out of Kansas City last year and lost in the playoffs. They will not play a meaningful regular season game the rest of the year which does not mean you should not watch the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills should only be watched in the regular season for entertainment purposes. We should not do talent evaluation of the Buffalo Bills. We should not do playoff odds of the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are great, and they're fun. Watch Buffalo in the regular season. Watch Buffalo going into the playoffs. and Watch them in October and November, but don't analyze them from like a can-they-win-the-Super-Bowl thing. They will not play a meaningful regular season game the rest of the season. The entire purpose of the regular season for them is to get healthy for the playoffs and get the team ready for the playoffs and scheme for whoever they're going to play in the playoffs. Save all the good shit for the playoffs. All the best plays, all the best packages, save that shit. Just run your basic offense with maybe a little bit of spice the entire rest of the season. There is no reason. The whole point of the regular season is to prepare for the playoffs for Buffalo. They don't have to fight for positioning, none of it. Just run your basic-ass play package, run the, the six-yard under routes, and then just, like, every now and then when the defense drops down, just let Gabriel Davis go deep in the secondary so that you score 40 points a game like the Chiefs have been doing the last three seasons. It's the entire purpose of the regular season for Buffalo at this point, and they're super fun and super entertaining to watch, even if their running back room drives me insane, and even if people hyperanalyze the Buffalo Bills on and on and on and hyperanalyze Josh Allen's turnovers and hyperanalyze the Buffalo running game or I'm sorry hyperanalyze the Buffalo passing game they're they're totally overwhelming and will not play a meaningful regular season game the rest of the year and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of that because even with a basic ass offense Buffalo can still put up 31 points on the defending Super Bowl champions and be incredibly incredibly fun to watch All right, so I would like to now talk about the second takeaway that I had from this Thursday night season opening football game. And the second takeaway is, before I talk about the second takeaway, I want to first preface with two points. One This is obviously a small sample size to start the season. One-game sample sizes are difficult to do, big-picture analysis on any team. So I acknowledge that part is always brought up in the conversation. And two, I am not the most informed person when it comes to information about the team, 
and the the players on the Los Angeles Rams. So I preface that. I am not the most informed person in the world, and one-game sample sizes are obviously sporadic, and it's difficult to draw conclusions definitively based on one game. With that being said, there's no way Matthew Stafford is going to make it through this season without taking time to recover from his injury. It seems so improbable to me that Matthew Stafford is going to be able to finish this season without missing a period of time during the year to get right. And I know that that's not the NFL culture, where unless you have a diagnosable injury that requires surgery or requires some sort of medical clearance in order to play, These guys want to play and be out there, and the culture of the NFL is, this is back-breaking shit, and if you can't be out there to the guy to your left and the guy to your right through hell or high water, then it's it's a shame thing. It's It's a shamefulness that sounds similar to ways people talked about World War II. And the idea, and this is obviously a dramatic example. I'm not trying to over-exaggerate this and compare it to football. But the way you hear football culture talked about is reflecting of World War II where uh, people were having medical emergencies and suicidal attempts. Men were in, the, in World War II because they weren't being drafted to war and because they couldn't enlist in the military. We think of it now as the flip side. It, it, during the 1940s, it was a dishonor to not be someone who could enlist and go to war. And that feels like the same sort of culture that revolves around the NFL. Matthew Stafford, last year, Troy Aikman spilled the beans on the playoff broadcast. I think it was the NFC Championship game. Yeah, because that would have been the one Troy Aikman called. In the NFC Championship game last year, he spilled the beans that Matthew Stafford was dealing with a pretty significant shoulder injury during the back end of the season, and it was just never really talked about uh, because Stafford was able to play through it and the Rams weren't listing him on any injury reports, probably at the behest of Stafford, because if you remember, Stafford's the guy who played an entire season with a broken rib cage and a guy who broke his arm and still played two quarters of football through the remainder of a season with the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford is one of those I'm going to play hell or high water type of guys, and he's played through like a broke a back injury, not a broken back, but he's played through like multiple broken fingers, a broken arm, a back injury. Matthew Stafford has done some insane shit to stay on the field early on in his career. And last year he had the shoulder injury at the back end of the season in order to uh, he, he had a shoulder injury, but he played through it. And now Matthew Stafford has been dealing with an injury all offseason to his elbow, in which reports confirmed this week that he had elbow surgery this offseason and is still dealing with the elbow injury as he comes to camp, in part because he didn't recover properly in time to you know recover from the elbow injury. And uh, Clayton Kershaw had the same procedure that Matthew Stafford did reportedly, and they were healing those elbow injuries. For those who don't know, Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford were high school teammates, um, and, and they went to the same high school in Texas. And they're dealing with this same injury, and 
Matthew Stafford is now dealing with the elbow injury and the shoulder that probably hasn't recovered correctly from last offseason because Matthew Stafford has been going through rehabbing an elbow and a shoulder injury on his throwing arm. And watching the start of that game, the Rams did not use him down the field, and when they did, it led to interceptions or incomplete passes, which was a better alternative than the interceptions. Matthew Stafford's average yards per attempt during the first half of the game on Thursday was 7.6 yards per attempt. And that would put him about in the middle of the pack for the NFL. Obviously, it's not the type of offense that the Rams wanted to run. And by the end of the game, that number had gone down to 6 yards per pass attempt on the game. By the end, Matthew Stafford, as the game went on, Matthew Stafford was becoming more and more of a game-managing type of quarterback. Matthew Stafford could throw the ball down the field less and less, and obviously he ended up with three interceptions. Like, that's a big part of this whole equation, is that when Matthew Stafford turns the ball over, it becomes detrimental to the Rams. They'd rather him just take the L than take the turnover, because all the math in the NFL is changing about points after turnovers. And if you remember back to the Buffalo Bills segment we just talked about, the Buffalo Bills had four turnovers in the first half of that game on Thursday. And the Los Angeles Rams only points off turnovers, well, they scored all their points off turnovers, but the James Cook fumble led to an interception from Stafford, and the first Josh Allen interception that went through the hands of Isaiah McKenzie ended in a punt. The Rams scored their only touchdown of the game off of the shanked kickoff, and they scored the only field goal of the game off of the other interception by Matthew, uh, by Josh Allen in the, at the end of the first half. And those were the only points of the game were off of Buffalo Bills turnovers. They didn't score at all in the second half. Stafford had two more interceptions in the second half. Obviously, the one that I stopped counting the statistics after. Matthew Stafford uh, threw the interception that then led to the 31-10 lead. And this was before I learned on the broadcast from Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico that no Sean McVay team in their history had allowed for as many sacks as the Los as the Los Angeles Rams allowed in the first game of the season this year. They gave up six sacks by the time I stopped counting because again, that's when garbage time kicked in. They had six sacks up until eight minutes in the fourth quarter, which was a record in five years for a Sean McVay team. And obviously this is connected to the injuries on the offensive line and Andrew Whitworth retiring and all that stuff. And at the same time, I will point out the fact that Sacks are a stat that leans overwhelmingly quarterback and less overwhelmingly to the offensive line because pressures and QB hurries are a better measure of and, and percentage uh, pass block win rate is another really good statistic that uh, I believe ESPN does or Pro Football Focus. One of the two does pass block win rate, which is a great offensive line stat. I'm not going to pretend that I'm great at analyzing offensive linemen, but sacks are... No, there's no exact percentage, but I'd say like for the sake of simplicity, sacks are 65% quarterback, 35% offensive line. Because there are every there was one in this game actually where Jordan Phillips got to the quarterback in like two seconds, like just missed a block. Jordan Phillips had a straight rush at Matthew Stafford, two seconds, nothing he could do, take the sack. Okay, that's a missed block by the offensive line. If a quarterback has 
two and a half seconds in the pocket, taking uh, at about three seconds, the sack becomes on the quarterback because by that point, you should have had enough time as a starting NFL quarterback to recognize the pressure was coming. And instead of taking the sack, either buying time because you have the ability and the mobility to do that, or just throw the ball away. It's really hard to get an intentional grounding in the NFL, especially with most starting level quarterbacks, because you just have to get the ball past the line of scrimmage. And so sacks are overwhelmingly a quarterback stat. That was the whole thing about Russell Wilson um, being pressured a bunch, but also taking a lot of sacks, which was a Russell Wilson stat. It was on Russell Wilson to get rid of the ball instead of taking the sack, because in many of these cases, he was getting three and a half seconds before getting rid of the ball and trying to keep the play alive, and he was just getting sacked a bunch. So all that to say, sacks are partially a quarterback stat. It's also the the um, success of one Von Miller, who dominated his former Super Bowl champion team on the first game of the season, which, because Von Miller had multiple sacks in this game, means we can play the Von Miller Madden 17 commercial campaign that is one of my favorite, I think it is the greatest commercial campaign of all time. But anytime we mention Von Miller, we can play that song. Just start me. When I'm on your Madden team, brushing the passer and tackling dudes on some strings of mine. Build your game strategy around me, cause my rating is 99. Feel this law for LB by just calling on me, and we both can shine. Cause I just need one more shot to be MVP. Yeah, we can win, so I'm saying start me. Let's do this. Stop on plays, just using my body When I'm on your Madden team Change your roster up and just start me Opponents never gonna make first downs Try and try, they won't gain no ground Just start me Just start me Build your team and take them all the way Madden NFL 17, EA Sports. It's in the game. So all of this analysis, whether it be the fact that the Rams had zero points off of, or zero points scored that weren't off of turnovers, the sacks that were allowed to Matthew Stafford, and the fact that Matthew Stafford just couldn't throw the ball beyond 15 yards down the field, is all to symbolize to me that Matthew Stafford needs to take an extended period of time off. And I don't know what that dictates because, as I mentioned off the top, one game sample size, and I don't have as much information about medicals as the Los Angeles Rams do, and football culture is different than what would necessarily be the most medically correct decision to make. It seems highly improbable to me that Matthew Stafford is going to be effective and make it through this season. And his only way of making it through the season as an effective starting quarterback, is going to be for Matthew Stafford to sit for an extended period of time. Because Matthew Stafford looked so broken. And this was, again, I mentioned a second ago, before I learned about the sacks that he was also taking. He looked broken from the very beginning. They were making a simplified offense And anytime they tried to expand it down the field, Matthew Stafford got into interception trouble. And obviously, Matthew Stafford has had interception trouble in the past. It's not exclusively an injury thing. Beyond the turnovers and beyond the bad plays, 
it just when the plays were succeeding it looked like the Rams offense was broken it looked like Sean McVay couldn't call the entire playbook and maybe that's just first game of the season stuff again small sample size it looked like Matthew Stafford could not perform the functions that we were used to seeing of the Rams offense last season And it suggests to me that we have the information. We know that he had a shoulder injury last year. We know he had elbow surgery, and it was reported all offseason and during preseason that he was having an elbow injury. And we didn't see him play in the preseason because the Rams don't play people in the preseason. But we knew the injuries in his throwing arm were there. And the fact that the offense went night and day from where it was last year to where it was this year suggests to me that Matthew Stafford is broken physically because we knew he was the quarterback with like the most injury concern non-Zach Wilson category. Like even Zach Wilson's knee injury, which is, you know, we thought was going might be season ending for a minute there. Even Zach Wilson's knee injury is probably less concerning than multiple injuries to the throwing arm. Like injuries in your shoulder and elbow of your throwing arm are probably more concerning than Zach Wilson's knee injury that's going to physically keep him out for two months just because of how important the arm and and specifically the elbow and shoulder are to the quarterback and the rules of aging are obviously changing I know that like Tom Brady played through the 2020 Super Bowl year with a partially torn MCL and he had surgery to repair it after the season like I get that aging is changing on this stuff Matthew Stafford at 30, I want to say 32 years old now or 33 years old, given the injuries that he's had in the past, it doesn't seem possible for him to make it through this season and be effective without having to miss an extended period of time. Sorry, I got it wrong. Stafford is 34 years old. And remember what happened with Baker Mayfield last year. Remember what happened with Michael Thomas in 2020 where he basically broke his leg the first week of the season against Tampa, played the entire season because it was the New Orleans Saints last dance season, and basically hasn't been effective on the field for now running on two years. It's been two years of healing from injuries, and this comes off of, if you remember we talked about in uh, August, the documentary that was done by The Athletic about Andrew Luck and how a big part of Andrew Luck's three years of missed football was that Andrew Luck never complained about injuries, never complained about pain. He lost his quote-unquote football innocence. That's the way that Zach Kiefer described it. He's the guy who made the documentary. That's the way he described it. And Andrew Luck just kept trying and trying to get back on the field before his injuries could heal properly. And we again, we saw what happened with Baker Mayfield last year. Totally ineffective as a quarterback because he was dealing with four different injuries, two of which he had a torn labrum in his his throwing shoulder. I'm sorry, he had a sprain in his throwing shoulder, a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. And he was just ineffective. And I don't think Matthew Stafford is going to be able to be effective without missing an extended period of time to recover from his elbow and his shoulder because there may come a time where one throw, one injury will end his season because he already has the degenerative issues and the pain and the surgery on his elbow. He already played through last season with the shoulder injury that Troy Aikman spilled the beans on in the playoffs. And 
all of it is combining together to make a, an already broken-looking Matthew Stafford. Like, one week into the season, reports coming out of training camp. There's literally reports from Rams beat writers talking about what is wrong with Matthew Stafford. What's Matthew Stafford's uh, ability to practice or his ability to play? It's, it doesn't seem possible that he's going to be an effective quarterback without missing an extended period of time. Coupled with the fact, and this is point number three, or takeaway number three that I had coming out of this game, God damn, the Rams offense is all Cooper Cup. And we knew this was the case at the end of last year. Once Robert Woods went down and they brought in Odell Beckham, that offense was all Cooper Cup. I, I love citing this stat so much that the Los Angeles Rams were one of three teams with a winning record last year. One of three teams with a winning record who had less time of possession than their opponents. Obviously, half the league has less time of possession just by math, and running loosely correlates. Running the ball loosely correlates with more time of possession because if you run the ball every single time, the clock will never stop. And if you throw an incomplete pass, the clock will stop. So throwing more often means more likely chance to have an incomplete pass, more likely the clock is going to stop. Time of possession is loosely correlated with how much you run versus how much you pass. The Rams were one of the most pass-heavy offenses among good teams last year, and that's just because their running game was shit, and they had the greatest single receiving season in the history of a wide receiver, in part because that's just what their offense dictated. Their offense dictated that 60% of their yards would come from Cooper Cup. The I mean, obviously they had 5,000 yards from Stafford last year, so it wasn't that dramatic, but 40% of their offense came from Cooper Cup last year, and the reason I said 60% is because at the time of Stafford's interception in the fourth quarter, the Rams only had 132 passing yards in the game. 79 of them were to Cooper Cup. 10 of the 21 targets, and actually the, the interception was intended for Cup as well. So 12, uh, I'm sorry, 11 of the 22 targets that Stafford had were to Cooper Cup. That's 50% of the offense. And if you take 79 and divide it by the 132 yards of offense, that is 59.84% of their passing yards were to Cooper Cup. And 60% of the offense for a team, obviously they, they ran the ball uh, besides Cooper Cup, not effectively at all, but they did run the ball without Cooper Cup. So that number's probably closer to 45 to 50% similar to last year with Cooper Cup. Using that much of offense where 50% of the targets and 60% of the passing yards are to a single player means that your offense is one of the more one-sided in all of the NFL, which is not a bad thing. It's not bad that Cooper Cup is running the entire offense. It just means that if you remove the Cooper Cup element, it all falls apart. It's better to have a balanced offense, but it's really good to have a Cooper Cup. It's really good to have an Aaron Rodgers. It's really good to have Lamar Jackson, who's your number one quarterback and your number one running back. It's really great to have Josh Allen, who's your number one quarterback and your number one running back. And it's great to have Stephon Diggs working 40% of the Buffalo Bills passing offense. It's great to have those talented players. It just means when you remove that piece, it all falls apart. And the Los Angeles Rams, we knew it last year. Cooper Cup, we remember. Odell got hurt in the Super Bowl. It was like Ben Skronik 
Ben <laughs> Ben Skroenick, who we'd never heard of before, but is now the number three receiver on the Rams this year because Sean McVay is doing the Belichick thing where he loves himself, a generic white number 88 running around at wide receiver. Skronik was getting receptions in the, in the Super Bowl. He was the number two, and the entire offense revolved around Cooper Cup. And that's how Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP because it was like fourth and two, end around a Cooper Cup. Uh, third and 11, end around a Cooper Cup. Uh, third and eight, no look pass from Stafford to Cooper Cup. First and 10, Cooper Cup screen pass. Second and five, Cooper Cup screen pass. Like the entire end of the Super Bowl was just all Cooper Cup. And so that's the offense that works. It just means that they are incredibly, incredibly defend- dependent on Cooper Cup, and that's just all they have because the running game is no better this year than last year, combined with the fact the offensive line is worse this year than last year. And as we talked about extensively, Matthew Stafford looks so broken. He looked physically broken. They had to pull out the Jared Goff playbook for good parts of the second quarter. He looked so broken on fourth and two they called a screen pass to cooper cup where cooper cup just caught it and flung his body at the at the line of scrimmage i'm guarantee you that's not the number one play that sean McVay wanted to run on fourth and two when he was coming into the year and saying what is our fourth down and short playbook it was not screen pass to cooper cup and let cooper cup just throw his body at two bills defenders and get four yards when you need two it's just all they could afford in this game. And damned if their offense isn't built on Cooper Cup. And it seems highly improbable that Matthew Stafford is going to make it through the year without having to sit for an extended period of time. So those are the three takeaways from our postgame show. One, Buffalo Bills learn nothing new about their offense. Regular season uh, is all about getting to the playoffs. They're going to be entertaining to watch. Let us not pretend that we can evaluate anything about the Bills' playoff chances from the regular season. Let's not overreact game to game with Buffalo. Number two, highly improbable Matthew Stafford's going to make it through this year and be an effective quarterback without having to miss an extended period of time in the middle. Probably should start next week. Like, I know the Rams are in a tough... The the Rams are not in that space that... uh, the Bills are in where the regular season is all about getting to the playoffs. The Rams actually have to fight for playoff positioning this year. They actually have to win games because their offense is going to struggle to score points in the short term this year, and they're going to be built on the strength of their defense. I mean, that's how the Super Bowl team was last year, but they're going to be built predominantly on the strength of their defense and lean more on that defense than they did last year. And they just Stafford just gotta go on IR. I would say IR, but I don't. Again, I don't know the medicals. If it's three weeks, four weeks, Stafford's gotta sit. He's gotta. They, they gotta sit him. He's just broken, and the offense is gonna be ineffective or worse, like entirely Cooper Cup dependent. No, I guess entirely Cooper Cup dependent is better than broken, or um, the offense is neutered. I guess broken is worse than than dependent on Cooper Cup, but point still stands. Like it's not their plan A B choice if Matthew Stafford is ineffective because he has an elbow injury and a shoulder injury on his throwing arm. Uh, and number three, damn the Rams' offense is pretty damn, pretty dependent on Cooper Cup, and that's something that I knew. I just kind of hit me across the face like a uh, 
like a wet fish that is wet because I am sweating. It is so hot in California. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. I hope you all have a fantabulous day and a fantabulous weekend. We'll be back at it again on Monday. In the meantime, take it easy. Just start me. When I'm on your Madden team, brushing the pastor and tackling dudes are some strings of mine. Build your gang strategy around me, cause my rating is 99. Feel this law for LB by just calling on me, and we both can shine. Cause I just need one more shot to be MVP. Yeah, we can win, so I'm saying start me. Let's do this. Stop all plays, just using my body When I'm on your Madden team Change your roster up and just start me me. Opponents never gonna make first downs Try and try, they won't gain no ground Just start me Just start me Build your team and take them all the way Madden NFL 17, EA Sports. It's in the game. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.